Welcome to Fleetwood. This is Kendall. This episode was recorded last week, and since then, some stuff has happened that I wanted to update everyone on. On Monday, my boss pulled me into a superior's office, and they informed me that due to budgetary issues and restructuring, that I would be let go at the end of the month. It's a really strange situation to be given a two weeks notice that you're being fired, uh, but I guess it's better than being fired on the spot and escorted out. So basically they want to have a field marketer and somebody that goes out to accounts, builds relationships, and collaborations, um, you know, for the purpose of gaining more traction for the brand and not just like acquiring sales from bars and liquor stores. It's like restaurants and things like that and, and developing like, I don't know. I don't even care to explain this. Google it. But the whole point is, is that it's like a senior position, which they stated several times. And they told me, you know, that I was welcome to apply for it. But they and I both know that I don't have any experience doing this. And I'm not going to get it. I mean, <laughs> and honestly, it's not really like something that I think would be a good fit for me because it requires you to travel a lot. And like, while I like traveling, I do it, you know, in short spurts because I like to go home and decompress. It's not something I don't want to be on the road all the time. Especially, like, because I, you know, I like my space. So, even if, like, I... So, even if I did apply for this job and get it, I don't think that I would be happy doing it. Um, so, long story short, I have lost my job. And I only have until the end of the month to find a new job and start it which if anybody uh knows what what finding a job is like it's freaking impossible because these people take forever to schedule interviews and then you know everybody pushes out your start date for two weeks and it's like i only have two weeks there's no way that i'm going to be able to find a job in time <sighs> And I, I just, the hardest part is that, you know, I'm being confronted with the question, what do you want to do? And I don't know. Because I don't like anything. I, you know, because of my depression and mental illness and all of this, uh, I don't really uh, enjoy doing anything. I do things out of necessity and survival. Uh, and there's not a whole lot of, like, enjoyment. You know? 
especially not from work. Uh, I can't think of a job that I would really enjoy besides podcasting. This is great, uh, but there's no way that this is going to uh, make me enough money to replace my income at this moment because so far with my ads, I've gotten about 60 cents. So unless a million or so followers and listeners uh, pop up out of nowhere, that's not going to happen. I'm not okay. I wasn't okay before this. And now all of this is just piling on top of me. And I don't know what to do. I mean, the only thing I can do is keep going to this job that's letting me go in two weeks so that I can at least get those last paychecks and apply to as many jobs as I can. And, you know, what sucks is, like, I really don't want just to uh, apply for any old job that's going to suck. I really want something that, you know, like, might be good for me. But it's unlikely to happen on such short notice. I just... I'm so tired. <laughs> this is not what I intended this episode to be. So I'm just going to stop talking and let you guys listen to me and Jose. Okay, bye. This is Kendall. Oh, this is Jose. <laughs> <laughs> Jose, you've been mentioned a couple of times on the podcast already. Because uh, you're great talent for finding friends. <laughs> oh, that's, what, that's what we call it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, adding people to our group chat and uh, basically coordinating all of us all of the time. What, what is it like? Do you mean to do it? Like, do you have the intention of, of adding new friends to our group? Or does it just happen kind of organically all the time? No, <clears throat> not really. Um think a lot of that just comes out of I guess having changed who I used to be I used to be a very introverted kid and right after or right before I got out of college uh, it was made pretty much a, a pretty pretty strong point for me to in order for me to be able to get a job I need to be able to network so I started engaging a lot more with people and I think I just kind of carried that on throughout the next couple of years until, you know, we started having the group. And I don't know. And I mean, I've noticed sometimes I've been approached at the gym by random people I'm not even making eye contact with. <laughs> and uh, I guess I give off a vibe. You have a friendly vibe. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. So, well, you, you are very friendly and you're, you're nice to everybody. So it makes sense. I mean, I've recommended you to people. It's like, yeah, just find Jose. He'll he'll point you in the right direction. Like, you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've how long have you been in Memphis? Memphis? About 15 years to 
2006. Yeah, that's 16 now. 16. 16 years. Yeah. Where did you live before that? Uh, Mexico. What is the name of that city? Oh, uh, Aguascalientes. I can never pronounce that. <laughs> I know, it's a, it's a mouthful. <laughs> I do, what does it mean? Uh, it's hot springs. Hot springs, yeah. okay. Um, so do you, so that was, what are you, 33 now? 31. 31. I always get you and Andrew Andrew, mixed up. (laughs) I do that every time. Uh, So you've been here for 16 years. So you spent 15, 16, 17. I'm bad at math. How many years in Mexico? (laughs) 15 years. That's my math song wrong. So what was it like growing up in Mexico? Um, I don't know. I guess... Like childhood or yeah, the experience. I, I guess you were probably like a teenager, right? Oh uh, yeah, when I moved here, I was early teen. So I moved here as a freshman. Yeah. In high school, so moving out of middle school. So it's I guess it was kind of a similar transition that everyone did in freshman year because everyone's moving out of middle school into brand new school and they're, you know, the lower class. So yeah, I think it's probably like in that sense it was not that different. Um, but in terms of growing up there, I mean, I don't want to say there is, as we talk about, you know, family and growing up, it was not unhealthy. I think for the most part, uh, my parents did spend a lot of their time trying to provide a lot more of a better life than they had. So a lot of that meant they had to be working a lot Mm -hmm. my mom used to work two jobs as a a, two universities so she used to teach in the afternoons engineering and then in the morning she was it's kind of like a like we don't want to call it a secretary because like it was kind of like similar rules but she had a lot more power Mm -hmm. like she pretty much you know under the president or whatever she ran a lot of things Mm -hmm. uh so she did a lot of that and then my dad you know, he just worked as an engineer for the same company he's still at. Um, and, I mean, he's, you know, he spent a lot of time away from him. So I guess if, if anything, that's probably the worst of it. Um, but we still, you know, spend time as family. So. Mm-hmm. Do you have siblings? Yeah, I have two brothers. Yeah. They're both younger. Um, I think the middle one is 29, about to be 30. And then the youngest one is 22. It's a big age gap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, me and my sister are 10 years apart. So, yeah, I get it. Yeah. It's like, what were, what, what were you guys thinking? Having kids this long? Oh, well, <laughs> you know, technically, I think I remember as a kid, we we wanted a little, they wanted a little sister. Mm-hmm. So I think my parents obliged. Yeah, my parents <laughs> kept trying, and uh, they my they have four girls, and my mom and dad were at the doctor, and they were like, "How can we get a boy?" And the doctor said, "Get a new husband." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you know. it's determined yeah. by the man. And it's like, oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So you, y'all had all boys. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it like growing up with a house full of boys? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know what it's like to have a sister. So, uh, I mean, I'll say my family is very calm nature. So I think, I think the most in terms of like 
you know, I keep hearing brothers being aggressive towards each other and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we had a little bit of that face with me and uh, my middle brother. Um, we definitely got into a few fights where I think the worst we did is like probably chip someone's tooth. Oh, that was not me doing that. I'm the one that got the, the tooth chipped. <laughs> oh, no. uh, but, you know, I, I also t- used to be kind of mean at times. So, um, yeah, I was... I, I guess as a kid, you know, like you're growing up, you watch all these things on TV and then you start being a bully and then you learn the lessons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess with, with... You know, outside of that, though, we've tried to always avoid, like, a lot of conflict. Mm-hmm. Um you know, my middle brother shuts down a lot, and then the other one's just super anxious. And I mean, he's the baby, so it's not like, you know, it's not like uh, he had that much power over the older brothers, you know. So, yeah. So, you recently went on a pretty epic road trip. Mm-hmm. Where all did you go? Um, I mean, I drove. Yeah, through Arkansas, going north northwest, and then th- for quite a few hours through Missouri, got into Kansas City, stayed the night, woke up the next morning, and then drove straight west towards Denver. Uh, saw a few friends. Uh, some of us, we actually, actually, both of them met at the gym. Shocking. <laughs> uh, and I just knew they were out that way, so I reached out to them, you know, said hi hung out with them uh, when I arrived to Denver. And then from Denver, I went straight to Moab. So that's in Utah. So I guess it's uh, Arkansas, Missouri, Kansas, Colorado, Utah. And then for the most part, I spent a lot of that next month in Utah itself. I did go through Arizona. Uh, I spent a little bit of time there while driving on my way back to Memphis. Um, but then we went to Nevada, so Las Vegas, uh, that's where, you know, we met, I met up at Picktop, uh, I think it was Arvin first, then Oksana and Nick together, Jessica right after, and Rob, like, a few days later, and they stayed with me for a week, that was on the second week on the trip, and actually, throughout the week, we drove out to Joshua Tree, so we made as far out as California, which actually was not in the plan, it just happened to mm-hmm. happen. Just a three-hour drive to Joshua Tree from Vegas. Um, and then I just started making my way back slowly and going through uh, every weekend or so. I would start a, the long drive back to another spot. On average, this should have been probably seven-hour drives. But, you know, I think the last two long drives before I made the big trek back home, uh, I... Probably average like eleven to twelve hours driving. Oh god! Yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Uh, so on this this trip, what was your favorite part? Oh, man. There, I mean, there's a lot. You know, like on a more su- superficial, shallow level, um, definitely a lot of the the cool sights I got to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, seeing the Milky Way in the middle of the night. Uh, spending, you know, an early cold morning, wait, you know, stargazing, um, you know, just on my own in the middle of the desert. I was probably within, I don't know, at most 
30, 20, 30 miles from anyone, if I had to guess. Uh, so it was pretty uh, disconcerting at the time, mm-hmm. but it was a good experience. I'm, I'm glad I got to experience that kind of solitude. Um, just in that sense, you know, seeing a lot of that scenery, um, getting to be selfish and work on my photography and video. Um, maybe that's not selfish, but, you know, it's also more of a, I feel it's like more of a superficial aspiration. Um, no, not at all. But, yeah, and I guess on a deeper level, it's def- it definitely changed me, uh, which I didn't see the changes until probably three weeks to a couple of months after I got back. What changes did you notice? Um, I don't know if it's noticeably from the outside or noticeable from the outside, but inside it is, I could tell the way, I guess, kind of handle things change. Uh, the way I, I want to say I, I used to be a little bit more of a people pleaser before the trip and, you know, way before that too. Um, but coming back from it, I I am I have become a lot more comfortable with, you know, like talking about the group and all that and how everyone feels very, I guess, welcome when, you know, like I bring them into the group. But I'm also very comfortable nowadays, just not in a mean way, but, you know, just a very gentle or um, what's the word for it? Well, I don't know what you're saying yet. So it's a very gentle mean. way of setting up a boundary and saying I'm not, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like it's not being mean, mean, which feels like I'm being mean, but that's just yeah. the, the people pleaser to me. Yeah. Well, there's like uh, 51 people in our group chat now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I you, in the counter. You can't be available to everyone. <laughs> yeah, I know that. So... You know, that, that, that changed uh, my confidence. You know, it, 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 it got a lot better. Mm-hmm. You know, and especially after realizing how much, I mean, neighbors, <laughs> uh, how much I'm able to achieve on my own. Not taken away from the fact that I did get help to, you know, like take care of the cat or my parents oh. like coming in and checking in or, even out in Vegas, I mean, I was surrounded by, you know, mm-hmm. five really great friends and all of them helped me out in some way or another. Um, you know, they, they they put in a lot of thought because it was also my birthday weekend. So they, you know, even though I drove, they were the ones that they're like, let's go get you like a birthday cake and stuff and like make you dinner. Uh-huh. Uh, so just quite a few of those things, which the funny thing is like, I'll be talking about it at some point in, in that video series I'm making because I like I said I didn't realize it until a few weeks later and then I had to sit down and kind of write about it once I started noticing that I couldn't point it out but I could feel something was different mm-hmm. yeah so that's more of the in-depth level which you and probably a few of the friends that listen to this now I like to get to that kind of level of conversations or thoughts yeah Hmm. I feel like it's I think that everybody kind of has some sort of like monumental moment and like experiences big change but you don't realize it until you've like 
sat with it for a while mm -hmm. and then you're like oh my god i'm so different and you didn't even notice the change while it was happening i don't know i feel like i'm going through that right now but like it's not in a good way <laughs> oh <laughs> like everything sucks <laughs> and i'm just like hoping that it gets better i mean things will get better for sure you know? always, it's... Yeah. i'm perfectly capable of ruining everything all over again <laughs> <laughs> I think that's just part of being a human. Yeah. I know, right? Why are we so flawed? Well, that's what makes the experience fun. Or better. It, it makes it unique, I think. Yeah. If we were perfect, there'd be no point in being alive, I guess. Well. Now, I understand there's, a, there's complex situations in people that i mean at the end of it all i know there's people that all they know is you know suffering and a miserable life mm -hmm. but i do think there's for a lot of us there's there's still opportunity for us to, to at least have a little bit of good or like great and joy in life mm -hmm. just the little things that's that's really hard is to like appreciating like the good things that you do have. I've been trying uh, to focus on that kind of stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like, but the only time I really do it is whenever I see people who have had it worse than I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm grateful that I have, you know, like I don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. It's a mindset thing and I'm having a really hard time kind of like, fixing my mindset and being more positive <laughs> maybe i don't know maybe it's not about trying to necessarily just or fix it maybe just learning to work with it right well yeah, it, because <laughs> it 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 may just be that and you know obviously i'm not expert or professional but it may just be that it's you know it, it's something that you just have to learn how to work with just like I don't know when people deal with uh, working through getting triggered by stuff, and mm -hmm. a lot of times it doesn't. As I learned actually recently, uh, uh, by getting triggered uh, a while back, oh no, I it doesn't. I thought it, that trigger had gone away, and Oksana, Oksana actually was talking to me about it, and she mentioned uh, it's like a what was it. Like an example of a jar that, you know, the jar contains a bowl of grief. And it's usually like filling up the jar. Mm -hmm. But over time, the jar gets bigger and the ball stays the same size. Like a lot of people think that the ball is going to get smaller. Mm -hmm. But that's not really the case. You just learn to grow around like these triggers or grief or whatever it is. Yeah. That's just the way... I think about it, I guess. Yeah. Well, that is a, that's a good analogy, actually. Um, I know. She, she, she's right on point with that. Yeah. That's that's um, that's very, I don't, I don't know what the word is, but that's a great way to look at it. Mm -hmm. Grief is one of the hardest emotions that I've ever experienced. And I'm sure for most people that it is, you know, but you finding out. What, everything that you're capable of grieving because like most of the time you think that grief is reserved for like the loss 
of somebody you love or, you know, something like that. But you can grieve all kinds of situations in mm-hmm. your life. And it's and you think it's like, oh, I'm just sad. But no, it's like real painful grief. Yeah. And um, wow, man, it's been really, really hard <laughs> to like to, to like come to terms with it because, you know, there's all the different stages of grief. And, um, and and they're so messy. They don't just come like in this order. It's yeah. You he, get to like one of those stages, and then it goes back to the other one that you already passed through. Yeah, you're like I thought we were done with this. It's messy. It's <laughs> nasty. I hate yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm I'm like, I I I don't know. I was just in the um just like the crying phase, <laughs> you know. Like I did nothing but cry. Could okay. think of nothing but crying, <laughs> and uh, I. <laughs> The only reason I'm not crying is because my doctor put me on so many meds. Now I can't cry. (laughs) I mean, that's interesting because, I mean, I know you, I know you, you know, we talked about that, that whole, and I think you and I have definitely noticed that a lot of people cannot deal with their emotions. So they find other ways to go around them Mm -hmm. rather than. (laughs) I do that (laughs) well I feel like sometimes you do go through them though yeah I mean like I can live with some emotions but like and and for certain periods of time but I will try to find a way out of them if I feel like I'm overwhelmed by them you know because I I feel them real big yeah and they're pretty epic and I I'm like I just I'm like I got to figure out a way out of this. <laughs> call them epic. They are epic. <laughs> See, there you go. That's positivity for you. Gnarly. <laughs> yeah, but I was like talking to my psychiatrist and I was just like bawling. I'm like, everything sucks. It's all terrible. And she's like, we're going to put you on this, this, and this. So we're going to see how that, how that goes. And I was telling my mom about it and she's like, good Lord. It's like kind of overkill, don't you think? She's like, you're not going to be able to feel anything. I was like, great. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. And she was right. (laughs) I know. I have, I have like, I think of the sad things, the things that have been making me upset. And then like, I just kind of skip over them. They're like, oh, that sucks. Let's move on to the next thing. But before I was just like, drowning in it yeah and i was like i i could do nothing but just sit and think and spiral and just you know that's one of the the the, i guess i mean it's hard to do but i've also tried to be more intentional about doing when i've had like all these big emotions um, because at least from what I've heard, it seems that there's, I guess, the way you're supposed to feel them, which it, it's interesting that, that as kids, I mean, it depends on your parents, but, or your caretakers, we don't get taught how to necessarily deal with them. Um, but part of what I've at least tried to, and it, it seems to work. The one time I had, like recently, I had a big emotion where, uh, they said that you actually have to kind of like sit with it and then try to feel like find where you feel it in your body mm-hmm. and let it happen and then you know let it go which is probably one of the hardest things but yeah it, at least for me that one time it really worked i like bounce back 
don't know, within like a few minutes after mm. going through that. Mm. And I was ready to like, I guess, redirect that energy that was being used for the sad or negative emotion and bounce back to work on, I think the next day was just like climbing harder. And I mean, I sent a new project just because I changed, you know, uh, that energy direction, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. My my uh, therapist, she said, you know, like, you're going through a lot right now, and you need to sit in it. Mm-hmm. Just And I was just like, I don't want to sit in it. I want to distract, and I want to, like, deflect, and I want to <laughs> dodge. <laughs> like, I'm not trying to feel these things. I'm trying to get any kind of distraction and not go through it. She's like, that's exactly the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with her. <laughs> it's like, so now I'm trying to like do, I'm trying to be different. So I'm making, I'm like, okay, I would usually do this. So now I'm going to do this mm-hmm. instead. So I'm hoping that that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah. I think, I mean, we had a similar talk, you know, like, not long ago that, uh, like, that's, you know, we're talking about a subject, and I was like, I mean, you know, from my experience, I was like, I mean, it really sucks, and it's probably, like, a similar case, like, it really sucks, it's, you're gonna see some really ugly, dark parts of yourself, but it is worth it when you come out on the other side. Yeah, I am, my world's, uh, least fan right now like i i do not like myself as i as i was hopefully i'm making good changes i and it's it's weird because like everybody's like you're a wonderful person and you like we love having you around and you're this and that and i'm like i don't see that about myself and it's like maybe those things about me are true and i just have to like see them mm-hmm. or maybe i've just hidden the shitty parts about me from everyone else. So that's what I've got to figure out. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's actually a good point. I mean, you know, that's it. I guess when you really start loving yourself and you're able to bring that out into the world, that's, that's when things become a lot easier because you could not care less about who accepts you or, you know, what people think of you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when we were talking about taking criticism earlier, it's like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I'm not going to be insulted. Yeah. I know like the process I'm working on, the projects I'm working on lately, it's a whole new world for me. And it's going to require for me to like fall over and hit my face on the ground a few times and get back up and, you know, learn from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really struggling with like my career right now because I'm like, I've been doing graphic design and marketing Mm -hmm. for a while and I feel like I've kind of like worked myself into a corner and uh, I like don't want to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And I also don't feel like I'm very good at it anymore. Like I just don't have like the, like the mind for it. Like I was really good at it whenever I worked at High Point Mm -hmm. and I felt really passionately about it, but I haven't really been able to access that passion ever since so i've just kind of been forcing forcing it you know yeah and i don't know it's just like it doesn't feel natural so i'm trying to like 
do more research and learn more things and kind of like pick up other skills so that I can maybe branch out and do other things or maybe like hone in on what I'm already doing and see what sticks. So, and I feel just very self-conscious about the work that I'm doing because my boss is so good at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, like, I'm just not there. And I, I don't know. I just feel like I can't catch up. Mm. I'm very, very critical of myself, <laughs> but my career is one of those like sensitive points, right? Because yeah. I've never been like incredibly motivated to have like a good career. It's just never been like a priority for me. But it's just like I'm. I need to do better. Like I need. To, I want to be more successful. But I don't know how to achieve that. And I don't think that what I'm doing now is going to get me there. And then I'm doing this. The podcast is like the only thing that I really love doing. Mm-hmm. And I've really loved doing. And uh, But I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't know what to do about that. Like how. Because all I can do is just keep recording these episodes. And editing them and posting them. And see if something happens. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean. And maybe, I don't know, maybe it, I mean, in the terms of a podcast, maybe you could start looking at, like, other, or, like, just topics in general, or, or like, I know most podcasts are, like, very niche, so, you know, I know that maybe this experience could be you trying to find that if you don't feel like there's one right now. Mm -hmm. Um... And once you find one, you know, it, it has to be something like, you know, like when I talk about all the video stuff, it's like I just dive into this hole because I found this specific part about it that mm-hmm. like makes me really passionate about it. And I feel like it's probably similar in, in that case, because once you dive into, you know, you find that that super interesting part about it to you, that's where you, and I think a lot of us have this, but, you know, it's finding a, that's a hard part. I think that I actually kind of know it. Like what I've enjoyed the most is talking to people. I think that that is like the center point of the whole thing is, is interviewing people and talking to people and like the, you know, everybody's different experiences. Cause this is what I love doing. I love talking to people and learning more about them and, um, so it's not necessarily like specific subjects. Like, sure, I can go down a rabbit hole mm-hmm. for like certain things, but I don't stay consistent on anything. So I think that if I was like, you know, being honest about about it, I just want to find people to talk to. And luckily, <laughs> I have a lot of people to talk to, uh, you know, in the friend group uh, to start out with. But then, like, I also want to start like branching out and, you know, meeting strangers and saying, Hey, you wanna you wanna chit chat for a minute and then think about maybe being on a podcast? Like I wanna I really want to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. Okay. Just I mean, that could be a nation itself. I mean, right. You know, a lot of people do that on podcasts. And grant most of them are, you know, like they're focused on a specific Niche, I guess, you know, like all this self development podcasts or mm-hmm. know, feminist podcasts or what have you. Uh, but 
But I mean, that could be a thing. You know, it could be, I guess a niche could be like, you just getting to know what strangers and, you know, maybe, maybe have quite like a, you know, a few questions that you just always ask that they're very thoughtful, probably like very deep questions. Although that might scare a lot of people away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, well, I mean, I guess my process is like just kind of starting out easy and then we're slowly working into like more serious subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it just as it goes and usually it get, I get pretty good stuff out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I, I, I definitely, but maybe just because I know the people in the group, but I've enjoyed definitely a, a lot of those podcasts mm-hmm. it's always interesting because there, there are definitely some conversations i never thought about asking them those questions or like even knew that about them even though i see them pretty often which to be fair when i see a lot of the people in the group it's at the climate gym and when we hang out outside of that you know there's usually climate related stuff or you know some people just don't get to that those deeper conversations, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I think that um, a lot of times people are not ready to have those deeper conversations. And the, I guess they don't want to offer up that information kind of voluntarily. So it's being asked those questions can actually be kind of jarring. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, well, that's, that's a good point. So I guess I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's probably, I mean, you know, like kind of thinking about it, you know, there's that saying, and that to me is like, a, it's got a strong meaning nowadays, but what does it say? Like people can only like meet you to the level they have met themselves. Yeah. So in, in the sense of like, having a deeper conversation some people are not comfortable with it because they haven't done that or if they have they're they might be afraid of how that might come out which it's also fair and i mean also when you are doing some something that can go out into the public and it's more personal than you know Mm -hmm. that's that that's understandable too yeah i have had one person uh turn me down because they were like, oh. <laughs> they, they did not want to tell their story. <laughs> I was like, come on. <laughs> it's such a good one. And I'm like, I wish that I could share that. Oh, but I can't. That's fine. Ah. Maybe one day they'll give in. It'll be really good. Or maybe not. I, maybe not. <laughs> or maybe I know. not. I know, I know the story. Yeah, so that's... it's nice that I know it. You got the I, I, wish, I know, but I just yeah. wish I could share it with people because it's, pretty sick (laughs) (laughs) that's funny all right so you work at fedex yes and what you what do you do so now um a the title is senior revenue analyst doesn't really mean a whole lot but uh i'm pretty much a support like the, I'm the I'm the middleman between IT and our operation groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so we work on, you know, a, a lot of the projects that involve, you know, computers and stuff that that link to our systems for revenue, and we calculate revenue based on how those machines operate. So I'm the middleman between IT 
mm-hmm. who develops all the changes we need to make once we install like a new unit or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that really is my job nowadays. So. Yeah. So you're an engineer, but like what kind of, is it software engineer? Uh, my degree is computer and electrical engineer. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of engineers. <laughs> we do have, yeah. We, were, we actually were having a conversation on Friday. It was like Arvin, Alec, and myself, and we were talking, I think Arvin's on, or Alec that mentioned that, you know, even the people he met outside of Memphis, a lot of the climbers are engineers. Mm-hmm. He really is too. I know. There's yeah. quite a few. Daniel, Daniel Bucky is one. Is he an engineer? He's mechanical. Yeah. I did not know that. No, he's electrical. Sorry, he's electrical. Yeah. And then Eric is civil. Our, I think our, our, I think Arvin might be an engineer. He's got an MBA, though. I think it's been a minute. I think Alice is an engineer as well. Is she really? I wouldn't be shocked. She's smart. She is really smart. Yeah. It it kind of blows my mind. I'm, I would never, ever be able to pass those classes. <laughs> hey, y'all are all so smart. It's... Uh, I'll say, I mean, it, to an extent, I guess, engineers can be smart, but from what I've noticed going through it, it's just about persistence. Yeah. Not. I would have given up. <laughs> a lot of us are just pa- passing through. Like, dude, we're just barely passing, but that's the thing. We just keep trying to learn and work and, yeah. you know, make it. it. It's, I mean, by the end of, I think my starting class had like 40 by the end of it, I remember I used to have classes, and this is a small school, so, mm-hmm. you know, probably, like, the school itself has probably, like, 1,400 students, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, by the end of my senior year, I remember there was a class that really sucked. It was one of those, like, you know, it weeds out groups, but there was already, like, only three of us in the class. Oh my god! Oh, it was miserable. <laughs> oh my god, that sucks. Yeah. See, you know, I did not try very hard <laughs> at, in high school or in college, but in high school, I we had to take the ACT, and you know, you get mm-hmm. a score on each subject, and my math score was so low that it brought my other scores way down. So oh. I got. I didn't do good the first time. I had to take it a second time. And I only went up two points. But it was enough to get in to, like, whatever. You know, like, yeah. I, I went to UT Martin. It was enough to get into UT Martin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, when I went to UT Martin, actually, no, Dyersburg State, I went there first. And I took college algebra. I failed it twice. Mm-hmm. And then my senior year at UT Martin, I had not taking any other math classes, but I needed one math credit. And I was talking to this advisor and he was like, your ACT score, your math ACT score is so low that you never should have been in the college algebra class. You were going to fail it no matter what. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. Cause I was like, so lost. I was like, I don't belong here. Uh, so he put me in this class that they called the art math and it's like a dumbed down version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I passed that one. <laughs> so yeah, all those math classes that engineers have to take. No. Yeah. They're, they're no. a little spiced up. They, they do have like 
the easier versions for like science majors, which they just take out calculus out of it pretty much, or derivatives. That's what they don't use. They don't use derivatives, Mm-mm. which was the craziest thing. You know, I have I have ADHD, and they say like lots of people with ADHD are really good at math. And I have not found that to be the case. <laughs> I was like, why Why wasn't I one of those ADHD kids? <laughs> yeah, maybe you're a special case. I, uh. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I haven't been diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have it. Well. Just noticing the way I deal I have, with life nowadays. I have a theory that um, autism runs in climbing gyms. <laughs> <laughs> if not ADHD, autism. <laughs> Man, we probably have a lot of that in, in all of us, honestly. Yeah, if you think about it, I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. <laughs> that's, so there's so many damn engineers. <laughs> everybody's too smart. It's like that problem-solving aspect of it, and like everybody gets competitive with themselves, you know, about like climbing harder and, and like all that. It's like, I think that... That's what kind of attracts the autists. Oh. <laughs> They're like, this is the sport that I've been waiting for my entire I'm life. I'm definitely at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I ever really tried that hard at any sport mm-hmm. before that. Yeah, yeah. No. I never tried hard at any sport. I was a cheerleader, but I was, I was just kind of like naturally good at that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't consider, like, bodybuilding to be like that. Yeah, you know what? I do like lifting. Yeah. I don't, I still don't try that hard. Well, it's pretty... Well, once... At least for me personally, once I, like, narrowed down my experience and knowledge on how to lift and, and also that mind-muscle connection and then knowing what I needed to do, like, mm-hmm. a lot of it is pretty much me just blasting, like, some dark, heavy metal music and, like following the motions while it's also trying to like concentrate or just making that muscle like really you know really stretch out or whatever mm-hmm. but it's not really like i'm yeah solving problems while i'm doing that i'm just listening yeah. it's just a little bit of therapy oh i need it oh for sure if, yeah yeah i think no one's been except for my family uh been unfortunate enough to see me when i'm not able to like work out or like, I, I have to take time off. Mm-hmm. I'm mean. I'm very mean. Are you mean? Yeah. I've never seen you be mean. No, I can't be an asshole. Can't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there's only been two, two people in my life that have seen that. Like uh, your family? My youngest brother. Oh, well, yeah. No, I think that's it, actually. <laughs> the second person got really close, and I warned him about it. And I was like, I don't want to do that to you. <laughs> like, you're so calm, but whenever you're not, you're like, I'm, it's about to go well, down. <laughs> the point is, like, I'm still calm when I do it. Uh, it's just, I know how to use words to really hurt people. Aww. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. No. So that's when it comes out. And, yeah, I can really hurt people. Aww. Verbally. Aww. <laughs> yeah. No. Not violent. Just... Verbally, viol- verbally violent. Oh, that, I think being verbally violent is... Oh, that hurts. That it hurts more because it stays with you longer. Exactly. That's why I said, you know, that second person that I got close is like, believe me, you don't want to see this side. Oh. Like, I'm just trying to... 
I say dark and evil. Who would have thought? I mean, just listen to my you know, Spotify playlist. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need to know. <laughs> Containing a lot of anger. <laughs> it's a lot of that stuff that, you know. It, it, it's funny. They say, like, when we listen to music, we... Some people say we listen to the songs because we just like the way they sound, which is true. Mm-hmm. In my case, for sure. But, you know, I just don't have it admitted to people that maybe it's also partially because of the lyrics, you know, speak a lot, like, you know, close to heart to a lot of us. Mm-hmm. So I, I've had uh, trouble listening to lots of music uh, because of, like, the words. So I've been listening to a lot of, like, synth wave and I guess it's not dubstep anymore it's not EDM either I don't really know what to call it because it's kind like of like lo- not lo-fi but it's along those lines with the newer stuff like lo-fi sort mm-hmm. of like lo-fi but a little bit a little little higher no it's more upbeat yeah, 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 yeah more upbeat than lo-fi yeah but not dubstep you know what I mean it's it's electronic and no and dubstep is like the scream out of EDM. Yeah, I used to listen to dubstep when I was younger, but you know, like these these genres, they don't really focus on lyrics. They focus on like the beat of the music. Yeah, and uh, that's been a lot easier for me to digest instead of lyrics because everything reminds me of something. Yeah, and I'm like, I gotta escape it, and mm-hmm. even like one of my favorite artists. Because of the time period that I've discovered them and listened to them a lot, it now reminds me of like certain things and I can't listen to it because it reminds me of that. So now I'm trying to like listen to it and like develop a new, uh, I don't know, what word was I going to use? I don't know, I lost the word, but try to change my association with it. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you really deeply connect with music, man. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I do, but... I mean, I've only noticed that there's maybe, like, a few songs that actually... Well, actually, I heard some of them yesterday, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, that, you know, that definitely, like, bring... You know, a lot of those, like, oh, you know, it was in a different time, and uh, they, they really hit, like, too close, and you don't want to hear them. Or, I don't know if it's also because part of me is, like... No, I just have to, like, sit there and, like, deal with it, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it eventually is going to get better. But I don't feel like I have... It sounds like you have a lot more music than I do in, in that sense, that you, you know, it, it hits maybe a little too close. There's a lot of stuff that I think hits too close, or, like, really close to me, but it's not very deep, probably. Mm. That's probably what I'm thinking. I have, like, heavy associations with music. Because, okay. I mean, I listen I listen to music every single day, and it's all based on my mood. And then I make associations with certain songs, with certain, you know, like, things that happen, and certain people, and, you know, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So it's like everything that I listen to is like a, it's, it's like a scrapbook of my life. And it's like, and it'll turn on, and immediately in my head, there it is. Oh, man, that's wild. Yeah. And uh, I can, like, my whole life, if I found one of, like, my Burns CDs mm-hmm. uh, in my car and, like, listened to it, I'd be able to remember, like, 
whose car I was in and like <laughs> what cigarettes we were smoking and <laughs> like where we were going. Like it, it's so weird. That's my, I don't have a good memory, but music really, really sets it off. I think, I think I've seen somewhere online where, where there's examples of people like dementia Mm-hmm. And then they start listening to a song that like they loved or something like that, and they, like it's like they come back. Yeah. It's like the same person's back. I'll uh, be one of those old people. I think, I'm, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'll be more of a. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Like, <laughs> I I do seem to be forgetful sometimes, uh, but I do. I think I'm more of a visual person. I remember a lot of like, stuff visually, which. Well, I do too. Which I guess yeah. in essence is. Nice because that means like it's, def- it's definitely where like we're just very private. It's like right in my head. Yeah. No, I'm I'm a visual uh, like learners. Like I remember things visually. I'm really good at directions because of that. Oh. Yeah, I have like a map in my head, and I can navigate it. You know. Yeah, that's funny. It's it's pretty similar. Like you know, kind of going back to the road trip. If you if you like, drop me down in Moab. I know my way around. Yeah, you just just from being being there twice. I know, right? I see. I'm the same way about Savannah. If you just dropped me in the middle of Savannah, I'd be like, "All right, I know where we're going." Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of funny. I do like that. I prefer having that rather than not being able to follow directions. Yeah. When did you start getting into photography? Uh, About. Just about, uh, give or take, uh, it's, it's on par with climbing, about five years ago. Yeah, so you started, like, were you taking pictures of climbing? Is that kind of what got you into it? I, uh, so I started climbing first. I think I was bouldering for, you know, a few weeks. And I think that was along the lines when, you know, like, shocker, free solo came out, and then I watched it. And the funny thing, like, a lot of people got emotions out of, I guess what a lot of people got emotional about or like drawn to by the movie is the feet itself, the the hardcoreness. I guess as climbers, the hardcoreness of Alex Honnold doing that feat, which mm-hmm. I mean it is very impressive. But to me, that was not. It is like seeing how the the crew. I mean, which it was not just Jimmy Chin, but he obviously like the main guy helping direct a lot of that mm-hmm. and i mean he has the experience um seeing how they can tell the story and by, ju- by just manipulating angles and lighting and everything mm-hmm. uh, so i think that's what got me into it that that that's what just kind of popped the curiosity i know when i was younger i used to play my dad i think my dad actually was also big into filming stuff for the family mm-hmm. so yeah we have photo albums from when we were kids and stuff and he had a he got a video recorder a while back and i remember i used to like ask him very often to let me borrow it and i would just grab it and start filming stuff i think i used to grab my toys and i think at the time i learned to use uh about the con- i learned about the concept of stop motion animation or like filming so i started like moving my toys slowly you know yeah. And just feel like present stop, present play, and just, you know, recording a little story. Uh, but I think that's, that goes way before all that. But I think just 
watching that documentary and then realizing that, you know, I had a lot more opportunity now that I'm older to, I guess, also afford the equipment or the time to start and, and, and then also learning from my life experience through like my workouts and everything like everything I've been able to achieve, mm-hmm. knowing that I, I am able to do that as well for photography and, you know, it's now becoming also including filming and all that. Um, so I think it, it goes maybe a little bit deeper than just climbing itself, but I would say just on par when I finally decided to buy a camera and just commit to it. Yeah, I need to get into filming. Yeah, you ever got questions? I mean, I'm I'm starting to fun. The funny thing is, like, I've started to delve into some lighting studio aspects of it because of the commercial we filmed. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. How was that? It was amazing. Um, I man, I didn't I wasn't doing it like I didn't care to like be in front of the camera, but mm-hmm. I ended up being. I mean, we'll see when the commercial comes out, but I do remember I was, like, with Jenna, uh, Brad, Rosalie, and Shay. Like, a lot of us were pretty much the main, like, talent. So we were mm-hmm. we were probably on a lot of those shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to work with the crew who, you know, actually gave them a lot of, of knowledge in that sense. Uh, because they came from Chattanooga, and I thought they had the, you know, a little bit of experience. And I told him, so how are you going to get the angle from top down? You know, looking at the climbers going up the wall and they're like, oh, we don't know how to do that. I'm like, okay. Like we helped them out and they love that angle. Yeah. So it was, it was a really great experience. Uh, I mean, they learned something from me and I learned a lot by watching them. I, I asked them a few questions, but I was also just, just watching. Mm-hmm. And that's where I learned that as much as I was a snob for just using natural light all the time Mm -hmm. that having you know artificial light can help you you know do better job of filming or capturing images yeah gives makes it more true to like what it actually looks like i feel like uh, the cameras kind of distort everything and make it like look not as it doesn't look as good as it looks in person yeah i honestly don't think Maybe one day we'll get to that. I don't think we are at that level though, as just humans, because I, our eyes are very, uh, they're special. They're they're not the same as a camera. We try to imitate what nature has, I guess, but I mean they're pretty good. It's just <laughs> not, you know, it's not the human eye. So that's, but I guess in that, now that the technology has developed to where. We tell stories with it, you know. Mm-hmm. We can't complain, honestly. Yeah, I mean, our whole world's been taken over by cameras and videos and yeah. everything. Yeah, it's just, there's not really any going back at this point. Everybody's got to learn how to edit videos. It, it takes a minute. It's, I wouldn't say it's like a crazy learning curve. I guess having done like stuff like engineering. But it, it, you have to spend enough, like, I don't know. If I had to count, like, just guess the amount of hours I spent when I officially decided to just put time, sit down, and work on the, on the software I'm using, I'll probably spend between, I'd say, 50 to 80 hours. Yeah. 
I started using Premiere at work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and um, I'm... <laughs> I don't like that software. I've tried I, it a few times. I don't like it. Yeah. Elijah and I talked about it. Which one do you use? DaVinci Resolve. I'm not going to show you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I I have Premiere just because I have Adobe at work. Mm-hmm. So I just started using that because that's what I had on hand. And now I know enough to like cut, you know, and I know how to like overlay stuff. But that's about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's very basic. And the video stuff that I have made is like I made slides in Illustrator mm-hmm. and then I turned them in jpegs and pop them into the thing and place them with the sound and that's it yeah you know i don't have any like actual video content but i'm making a video it's ridiculous yeah <sighs> i feel like having your own little personal projects helps a lot mm-hmm. that, that's what's helped me out a lot and um lately even more so i've been very lucky with like rosalia at the gym she's got a you know cool vision i think for what the gym probably should do um Mm -hmm. and she you know is using me as a resource even though like i don't have the skills but i spend the time and learn i'm pretty much given the challenges or the opportunities to learn how to do something Mm -hmm. and i mean so far you know i've learned a lot quicker now that i have a another reason to you know to create things, uh, and 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 then I have my own personal projects, which that helps a lot more because I do have a, you know, a, vis- a vision of what I want those projects to look like, and you know, it's something that I definitely want to the world to see, um, mm-hmm. you know, over time. And that's not gonna be perfect, but you know, I can only get better, and you know, I just gotta start slowly, work my way up. Yeah. Well, the stuff that you've made so far has been really good. Yeah, you can tell that you've put in a lot of work to learn how to do all of this. And it's not easy. I mean, I just all of the camera settings and and alone is huge. And then figuring out how to edit all of these videos and stuff like that. Golf clap. (laughs) Golf clap. (laughs) You've done done really well. And all the pictures that you take look so good. um, I wish that I was a good photographer. Oh. You can. Well, you know, I I, <laughs> I had a pretty crappy camera whenever I worked at High Point, and I did my best with it. That's all you can do. And I mean, even with even with some old cameras, you can still take amazing stuff. And you know, for the sake of like, if people are just posting on Instagram, you can still have a pretty old camera and get bangers. You know. A lot of that stuff nowadays, I think think you just need to know how to work the algorithm or get lucky with it. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely, I feel like there's definitely good photographers out there that we don't get exposed to just because that's the trick of the trade. Well, I see that that's one of the setbacks of social media is that we have direct access to anything, Mm -hmm. but there's so much that things that we would like to see are, we can't find them. Yeah. So it's like we have all this great technology, but what good is it when we can't find what we're looking for? Mm -hmm. 
It's like so oversaturated. Everybody wants to, you know, have followers and go viral and it's just exhausting. It's like, and it takes so much work. Mm -hmm. I've been doing research about it and it's like the amount of time that people put into like making TikToks and reels is, it blows my mind. I know. So speaking of that, like we are hoping to put out two reels before the fashion flash and I spent usually the stuff I like I'm tracking in terms of like editing where I'm like okay I'm not like because to be fair it's like parts of it is me learning a new skill to help get the edit together I don't feel like that's billable because I'm just learning to do it mm-hmm. but any editing right now I've probably spent like six hours on you know, within the past two weeks or so on it. And outside of that, it's been the shooting, uh, putting information, like videos together, pulling old videos from like the old Dash and Flash, uh, and also learning the skills. That I'll probably triple that number. Ugh. Just for one 20-second reel. Oh, and that's what's so frustrating about it too, <laughs> is like you spend all of this time making like formatting it for this and it's 20 seconds long and it's like you know if you make it any longer nobody's gonna like watch it because it's too long because our attention spans are crap i know well you know that's that's a funny thing because the we actually the first the first couple versions that we made it was about a minute long and that's actually that one's kind of included among those hours i like spent on it but it was not it was not like at the level where you know you you have the the attention span of a fish to yeah to draw people in (laughs) unfortunately it's still a good video just you know probably some you know where we are shooting to try to kind of target the the algorithm or like get people's attention spans Mm -hmm. in line and you know hope to get more people interested in it so i just don't know how we're gonna like how we would come back from this you know like what I can't imagine, like, what it, like, is it going to get worse and worse and worse and worse? Or at some point, are people going to be like, okay, like, we've gone far enough. We need to start, like, take a step back. And because it's it's just yeah. so oversaturated. It, we have we have so little attention for anything. And I don't know, everybody's so focused on social media all the time. And uh, I just feel like we're having like this huge disconnect from people, yeah. and, it, and, it, and which is the irony is that it's supposed to connect you to people. And I don't know. I at some days I want to delete all of my profiles, and then I'm like, well, I've got too much that I like invested yeah. into these social channels, and you know, if I I have to keep doing it for the podcast, and you know. The, which is a funny, funny thing. That fine, fine line of one. One I don't think this is going away with, you know, with AI coming into the scene, it's going to get a lot worse. Um, mm-hmm. I've already seen a lot of things. That I'm like, okay, uh, but two, you know, this is actually funny. A big shout out to uh, to Rosalia because she made this comment. We were talking about social media and stuff, and she said. 
that the way she's learned to try to look at social media, it's either you're either consuming or you're creating. And I feel like if you're creating, it's a, a somewhat better outlet. Now I get it, like a lot of people may have their opinions of like, well, you're just putting a lot of shit out there. Which I mean, but it's I think it's better than being consumed by which I mean, I think a lot of us are familiar with that feeling of like getting lost in it because you're trying to avoid just sitting in that discomfort and then next thing you know, you're you feel like I do feel like shit after I spent a lot of time in social media. You mm-hmm. feel drained yep. mentally and I feel like I'm I mean, just today, like, I haven't spent as much time on there. I mean, I've been on YouTube, but it's just because I'm, like, learning things. But, you know, I'm just, it's, it's a different dopamine hit. When I put that video up there, and then when I put the other video that I'm, like, having Elijah check out for me, it's a different kind of dopamine hit. It, mm-hmm. I feel a little bit more clear. So I, I feel like that's one option. We're just trying to be creative in a sense. And that's, you know... Very like high level to some people it might sound like I'm telling them to go paint or stuff, but it's <laughs> just you know you can be creative by building crafty stuff as well. You can just yeah you're building a shelf. You Whatever know. your hobbies are, I guess you just gotta film yourself doing everything these days. Or or just put it out into you know take a picture of it and that's it. But you spend all the time like making it rather than getting consumed on. You know, on social media. I think that's a, that's one of the best ways or new perspectives that I like to think about it now. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I definitely, like, sit and scroll. And I hate it because I'm sitting here, like, thinking about all the other things that I could be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and I'm going to, like, work on this. And then I get on my phone and, like, time just flies i'm like yeah. oh god i did it again it's hard you need a lot of self-control and i mean i'm practicing but it's not easy yeah it's ridiculous <laughs> i still struggle a lot i still like i could I catch myself picking up my phone after like having looked at it like 10 seconds ago i'm like what the hell am i doing yeah oh that's that's the difficult thing too is that i you know i'm i manage like four accounts you know, oh, that's crazy. I mean, not manage, manage. So like I have, I have one for work that I fully manage. And then there's one that I assist with and there's another, there's two that I assist with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like I keep an eye on them. So I do have to check on them and I have to manage the Facebook pages too. Mm-hmm. So I, I do have to like check social media frequently throughout the day. And while I'm doing it, why not check my own? Yeah. Why not scroll for a little bit? I got time. You know what? I mean, I could spare five minutes, <laughs> 15, an hour. I don't know. <laughs> the whole day. <laughs> I, mean, I just sit back here and uh, watch whenever I want. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, it's like it's so easy to do that. And it's a lot easier to do it whenever you have to look at your phone. Yeah. As I put everything on my browser so that I could check it on my browser. It's not it's not as fun to do it on the computer. So. Oh, that's probably a good approach. So. Yeah, that's that's one way to do it. I, I build out all of my all of the posts on my computer so I don't have to do it on my phone. Yeah. Well, you know, with me working remotely for the most part, I've 
started just leaving my phone in my bathroom, which is where it normally charges anyways. You charge your phone in the bathroom? Yeah, I keep it away from my bed so I can sleep. What do you mean? Well, not that I can't sleep with it next to me, but, you know, it's... So you don't check it? I guess it's like out of sight, out of mind, you know, I like my bedroom. I mean, if you go into my bedroom and I haven't thought even about doing it, a lot of people seem to have TVs in their bedroom. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I literally, the only thing you'll see in my bedroom right now, it's the nightstand where I probably just keep my keys, wallet and other stuff and my bed. And a mirror. On the mirror. Yeah, that's there. But I hardly, I mean, I guess I kind (laughs) of hardly use it too. Not that like go out much or anything to like need to look at it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I just put my phone away and go to sleep. Hmm. See, I've been doing not that. <laughs> I keep my phone on the nightstand next to me. I usually scroll. And then um, what I've been doing recently is I have my iPad mm-hmm. and I set it up on its little stand on my nightstand. And I've been turning on uh, Tibetan singing bowls. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah, to help me, yeah. Help me sleep. <laughs> to help me go to sleep, and uh, and then there's like these high frequency or whatever frequencies, and it says it like helps with this and that. But I don't like those. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying everything to help me sleep better. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We did talk about that a while back. Okay, that's probably why. I mean, it, with me, it's like I I think I guess both as I've gotten older and with the activity level I have. I don't recall like sitting in bed for more than probably four or five minutes before I'm passed the fuck out. Yeah, I know. But see, I've also been like, there's this, I was reading, um, it's like whenever you've been in like survival mode for a really long time and then you like get out of it, your brain becomes like exhausted because it's been... It's been operating at such a like high level for a really long time. Whenever you finally get out of survival mode, you sleep a lot more and you feel really tired all the time. And um, and I, I'm like, I you know I started all these new medications, and it's like maybe that's what's going on because I I've been getting into bed at like seven eight o'clock mm-hmm. and and just like laying there and i may go to sleep or i may like just like lay there and, and play on my phone or or watch something or whatever but i'm not getting out of the bed till 7 a.m the next day mm-hmm. and i will stay there that's what i did last night actually it's oh, wow. crazy okay i haven't heard about that Oh shit, I, uh, I was in survival mode a lot and I'm just passing the half out. <laughs> well, it's a weird thing. It's never, I've never done this before. Like, it's totally new. Like, I, I was one of those people that was like, I hate being in bed. And as soon as the alarm clock goes off, I'm up and I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, I have my alarm set an hour later than I used to. And I'm getting up, getting my coffee, and then getting back in bed. And I used to go, like, sit on the couch, or I'd go outside and get my hammock or whatever. I know, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it used to be, I think, growing up as a teenager, it used to be more like, there were times where I thought I was starting to have insomnia because I, I just couldn't go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Well, I wasn't going to sleep because I was sneaking out. 
Uh, well, I just couldn't. <laughs> yeah, I just sat there and I couldn't. Uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I used to probably sleep like... I used to be able to get by by sleeping on three or four hours a night. And yeah. No, stuff. I can too. I can function with only a few hours. Um, uh, not anymore. No. And right now, if I don't get my... my well, okay, six or seven because of the cat, then, yeah, I'm miserable. He does he play around a lot, like keep you up at night. He's gotten better. <clears throat> he he does have. He's a creature routine as well, just like me. Uh, mm-hmm. Go figure. Um, but he he can if they, if if we have a routine set up, he can sleep until it's you get used to it. <laughs> Um, but we get into the this routine where you know he lets me sleep until he knows the alarm's about to go off, which is funny. I don't know how he knows, but he knows, mm-hmm. and he'll start waking me up at like you know my alarm goes off at like four fifty or so, and then he'll start wake. He'll start getting ready to wake me up around four or so. Four fifty. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm just. Uh, I, I, what are you doing in the morning? <laughs> If, <laughs> what are you getting up at four fifty four? It takes me a minute to wake up. <laughs> Good lord! And, and also with with him, like I can't if I sleep in, try to sleep in more than that. He's gonna keep like it's not sleep. It's just him waking me up every like five minutes. Uh uh-uh. uh. So. No. Okay, so I brought this up because like last night Lilith, she she's she kind of freaked me out because. I went to, like, my, my house is, like, long. I have mm-hmm. to walk through my house from one end to the other to go to the bathroom. And um, I went to the bathroom, and it's, like, dark or whatever. And she's, like, she was scared to leave the bathroom. Cause she mm-hmm. follows me into the bathroom. She was scared to leave the bathroom because there's, like, something in the hall. I'm, like, what, what, what is it? And then I, like, moved the door, and she, like, freaked out and, like, bolted. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. So I turned on uh, the light in the living room just because she kept, like, she kept, whenever she hears stuff, she, like, perks up. Yeah. She never rests because she's always listening. And she was just, like, guarding my bed because she was, like, staring down the house. And I'm like, that freaks me out because yeah. I'm like, is it a ghost? It's a ghost. Is it a ghost? Because I better not be a ghost. <laughs> like, please tell me it's not a ghost. And she did that all night last night. Oh, man. I know. I turned on the kitchen light and I turned on, like, I have, like, a, a color light bulb. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, a pink. So it's it's not too bright. It just, you know. So I was I slept just fine. But she kept waking me up because she was, like, reacting to stuff yeah. all night long and I'm like what is your deal man like what's going on uh, what's in my house yeah <laughs> what I, are you hearing i mean in that sense that they are good to like if something's really going on then they're good to like let you know as long as you don't sleep in but because uh, i remember there was when, when my truck bro- got broken into uh i do remember probably around the time they were breaking into it because Kai, my cat, woke me up at like between one or two in the morning, and he was by the window just being obnoxious. I was like, "What the hell, dude? Like, just let me sleep." I woke and I got up because I was just like tired. Shit, we you know walking in the dark, go to you know take a leak, and then go back to bed, and then wake up the next morning. You know, a bunch of cars got broken into. So I'm assuming cat heard it. Yeah, but then there's other times where like 
I think it was like Friday night or something like or Thursday night. He don't, I don't remember him cuddling too much with me now that he's gotten older. Uh, I'd mostly like just lay on top of my legs, you know, between my legs on top of him and just pass out for mm-hmm. a, a, a little bit. But recently I do remember him like, I like woke up in the middle of the night and I just feel like this very thing next to me. He was like next to my arm, like splayed out, <laughs> belly up. I was like, oh, I'm not going to move. He doesn't do this very often. Oh, that's cute. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. He, he, he definitely determines a lot of my sleeping schedule. Mm-hmm. Well, Lilith, I mean, she's only seven months, so we just went through, like, the baby yeah. stage. Oh, yeah. And so that was, like, every few hours I would have to get up and take mm-hmm. her out. But I got to the point where it was, like, I just put towels down in the kitchen and like most nights she was peeing in the kitchen yeah she always peed in the kitchen so i would i always put the towels like in front of the refrigerator and the stove so it wouldn't go under (laughs) under the stove um and now she's making it through the night yeah it's been it's been a little while that like a couple months or so that she's she's peeing before bed and then she pees in the morning so it's great yeah it's gonna you know when you get baby animals you gotta go through those phases which i'm not even done yet i'm when i get a puppy it's i gotta be ready for it you getting a puppy i want to yeah oh what are you gonna get uh i don't know it's gonna be a big dog though yeah, yeah. you want one i got one <laughs> <laughs> no, not right now uh i still got a while before i get a dog but i, I do want to eventually be... she drives me nuts oh yeah that's that's Every dog's special. Or every animal's special. He drives me nuts sometimes, too. I win. <laughs> oh, win. You definitely win. I, I yeah. win. You know, they take after their owners. So. I know. I'm starting to wonder. It's like, do I hate my dogs because they're a reflection of me? <laughs> yeah. That's probably why the cat is, you know, a little more chill. He's still an asshole and a little shithead and doesn't <laughs> listen, which my mom can confirm. I'm, I'm that kind of person sometimes. <laughs> Uh, well, see, I was like, my dogs are always like aggressive with other dogs. Why? I'm not aggressive with other dogs. Am I aggressive with people? <laughs> I was gonna say. <laughs> I think we're talking about people here. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Am I? No. 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 At no. least, you know, probably not that the part of you that you're not showing us. Maybe that's the part. <laughs> well, it's like it's funny because like my my nickname is Small Angry Woman. And, like, there are people that are like, oh, yeah, that checks out. And then there's other people that are like, you, you're never angry. You're always so happy. Like, stick around. <laughs> yeah, there's there's seen it. <laughs> You'll see it. Yeah. You just got to be around long enough. Yeah. I get impassioned. About impassioned. That's a good word. That's a positive word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really am impassioned about cyclists. <laughs> they, I, if you want to get me riled up talk about cycling yeah <laughs> it drives yeah. me nuts yeah they're the worst <laughs> they are the worst hey i ride a motorcycle and they get in my way too right they're like the road was not made for bikes and then people complain about how memphis is not like bikeable it's like stop riding your bike then <laughs> <laughs> stop up. We're on the trails. Yeah. It's like it's barely good enough for cars. We're always in wrecks. Everybody drives too fast. It's like, do you really want to be on the same road as these people? No. Go get on the greenway or green line, yeah. and whatever, and stay there. 
Yeah, I agree. Yes, that's the way I feel about it. But yeah, I haven't I haven't run into too many of them lately, so so far so good. Well, it's like the whole like I had a roommate who got into cycling and it slowly progressed. He had like a bike that he like rode to school and then he got one of those like fancy ones. S- fancy mm-hmm. ones that had like the skinny wheels and he had like the the speedo thingy. The speedo thing. Is. It's like one. It's like a leotard yeah, or something. Yeah. With uh, I don't know. It's like what is that? And the special helmet and like the sunglasses. The Oakleys. Like come <laughs> on! It's like you. You're such a cliche. It's like I. I was. I was like you. Got to be kidding me. And it's. It happens to everybody like that. They just. You know what and, they're gonna tell you. And then like the little butt cushions on the in their pants. Yeah. <laughs> there, that's an expensive hobby. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? It's like ridiculous how much money you get. Well, to be fair, rock climbing is an expensive hobby. Oh, yeah, for sure. I bought too many ribs. And yeah, I mean, the initial purchases. Oh, the shoes. Oh, the shoes are the, the worst. The shoes. Yeah. Like, whenever you first start <laughs> rock climbing, you've got to get a harness and shoes at the very least. And then you get a chalk bag and a rope. And then if you want to go outside, you got to get quick draws. If you want to do trad, you got to get. What are those things called? Camps. Dude, Camps. That, like a full a full uh, rack of that is like a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And it, and there's, I don't know. It's you. The good thing about it is that most of that stuff is made to last for a long time. So once you have it, you probably won't have to replace it for a long time, unless you're just really rough with it. Yeah, if you climb a lot, you probably will. But I mean, I still. I only have one carabiner, locking carabiner. That's the gate's just it's sticking in, but it's still like locks and closes. But it's mm-hmm. well, if I like pull it open, it'll it'll stay open. If I'm like push it back, I think it's just a spring getting all over. But or like I mean, I use it for belaying. So um, I mean, now I'm just starting to do that. So I may just get a new carabiner. Yeah, maybe you know. Well, that that's the thing. Though. If it locks, like you know. Yes. That's the important position. Its structural integrity might be messed up. Well, yeah. I mean, just to keep everyone... Now, everyone everyone that's listening to this, I got you. Don't let Jose belay you. (laughs) He has faulty equipment. Dude, they don't care. They know know (laughs) I'm the best belayer in this group. Hey, I'm a really good belayer. Uh, I'm I'm about to... uh, I talked to uh, Evans and Gerald and uh, older couple. Do you know they're judges at USA Climbing? Really? Yeah, and I talked to them about them talking to one of the guys they know there uh, to get me into lead belaying for comps. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. They wouldn't know that I'm good because I'm never there. But I could probably do it, but I wouldn't because that would be too much. I, I don't think that I would enjoy doing that. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's not, not, well, it's just whatever, like whatever they don't learn. When I realize that I can do better, that's what gives me gives me passionate about things. Yeah, I love I love the 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 fact that I still have more stuff to work on. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of like the whole like mentality in rock climbing, you know, like when you see with like Alex Honnold and and all of them, they they do like this extreme stuff because they've already done all of the other stuff. It's like, okay, how do I do more? Mm-hmm. more and more and more and more it's like at some point you just gotta like say all right you win <laughs> oh well you're saying it like 
I mean, trying to keep up with them now. But well, no, 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 not normal people. I'm saying like them, like they, you know, uh, you know, like there's always something new to work on. It's like they're gonna run out of stuff, and when they run out of stuff, they're gonna start doing stupid shit like free soloing a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think that's you know where they're they're, I mean, they're at such an extreme that. You know, they just have to keep pushing the limits in that sense. There's nothing else that can get that improvement or that progression that they keep seeking. Yeah, it's like maybe work a little slower. <laughs> I see, like, I'm really comfortable with with my prog- progression or lack thereof because, like, I progressed really fast because I started from nothing. Mm-hmm. And in a few months, I learned how to lead climb. And, you know, I went from, like, 7, 8 to 10. Mm-hmm. And that was four years ago. And I am still doing 10s. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, like, totally fine with that. Everybody's like, get on this 11 minus. I bet you could do this. You're, you're a good climber. You should climb harder. And I'm like, I'm not here to climb hard. I'm here to hang out. You know, like, yeah. I'll climb a little bit, like, for fun. But it's like, I, I don't, I'm not competitive with anyone or myself, it's like I'm just here to, to to be here. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's that's a you know that's also what brings a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. You know, we we do have. I mean, I think like a do a majority of definitely the regulars are there to you know just keep pursuing being a lot better. But there's also a lot of people that do enjoy, and I mean that's fine too. It's like when people complain about hiking, you know, like I mean it's just walking difficult terrain in the woods for you know just to get i mean hopefully get to overlook or something but mm-hmm. you know some people do just because it's fine you know it's just fun you know they grade hiking hikes like they do climbs yeah there's class levels uh one two three four and then when it starts to get technical where you need protections five so that's when five tens and stuff comes come in exactly okay yeah. so like I, my brother said something about, like, a 13er or a 14er or something. I was like, nuh-uh. Like, you, wait, you rock climbing? He was like, no, it was a hike. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, no way. <laughs> yeah, you did a, a thirteen footer or a 14 Oh, okay, that's yeah. what it was. I was like, nuh-uh, you'll really? Hear that, you'll hear that in Colorado a lot because they have a bunch. They have, like, 50-something 14ers. Yeah, no. So. He lives in Aurora, Colorado. Definitely is, yeah. Yeah. yeah but is that outside of Denver? Yeah. Yeah. With like the suburbs or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I have a personal uh, distaste of Colorado. Fair enough. <laughs> I was never a big fan of like, even after the were Actually, the more I travel there, the less I'm like, well, the, the, the thought of living there doesn't sound that appealing, but um, it's more for the the... the the house layout, they have a lot, a lot of really, like, dumpy, trashy homes yeah. for what you pay for. It's expensive to live there. Yeah. There's, um, it's expensive, and there's drugs. Yeah. And it, but it looks really pretty, so that's it the is, Oh, well, you, yeah, you can go just about, yeah. Um, the thing I said in Golden, and you know, you could drive, like, 10 minutes out and go rock climbing, you know, where the, where the Rockies start. Mm-hmm. Or go to a gym just five minutes on the road. Yeah, see, but, that's no. that's not a huge priority for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, there's no appeal. Yeah, I think too. For for me so far, just 
the desert so far has really captivated me. So, right. Yeah. Whenever I went to the Red Rocks, I was like, "This is beautiful. Yeah, it's amazing." There's a town where Oksana Nick and I stayed. Yeah, stayed because they they stay for the third uh, third week of the road trip or half of it. Uh, it's called Saint George, Utah. It's like pretty much close to Arizona, an hour away from Zion National Park. So far, my favorite like town I've ever been in. Mm-hmm. And it's probably also because the Airbnb we got, you know, it's kind of bougie. It's like yeah. a brand, like probably two years old house. Mm-hmm. And it's just all rental properties, beautiful neighborhood. I'm like, oh, I could definitely live here. Yeah, you can live there in this <laughs> yeah. idealistic, yeah. you know, like perfect version of it. Yeah. I yeah. didn't even look up the price. I don't think we could look up the prices when we were trying to find them. I'm sure they're yeah. astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, ugh, that's the hard part is like whenever you go to visit places, you see like, such a small tiny bit of what life there is like yeah and you don't really understand the good and the bad the pros and the cons until you're actually there for a while because i mean i lived in boston and it's like i thought it was awesome whenever i visited and that's what i'll tell people now is like it's a great place to visit mm-hmm. it's such a shitty place to live yeah it's like especially if you're like you know if I, I really enjoy, like, Southern culture, you know, the way that we interact with each other and and things like that. But up there, they are completely different, and they have their own, like, mannerisms and stuff like that. And that was really difficult for me to navigate because I was like, I don't understand y'all, and y'all don't understand me. Yeah. And so there's just a big disconnect. And then it's too expensive, and then, you know, like... Uh, you can't even like if you like to go out to eat or you like to go get drinks it's way too expensive to go it's like a every once in a while kind of vacation type of thing and it's hard to make friends and I don't know that's that was it was really hard to live in Boston and so now I'm like I'm kind of I'm hesitant you know about big moves and that's that's like I, I want to encourage people to do stuff like that like go you know, but like also have a plan B. <laughs> yeah. Like have a way back so you're not stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's on my plan of challenging things I still need to do. Yeah. The road trip was a good, you know, test to see how, how well I fare in my own. It wasn't for that long, really, because I, I have people around. But yeah, the next one will probably be a final way to, to move out of Memphis for a little while or. Mm-hmm. For a few years or so, or stay somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. I think that like I'll be here maybe a year or two, and then I'm out. <laughs> I'm not from here, so like I I, mean, I can go wherever. Yeah, I mean, I'll say the I was gonna say the only thing I got here, but it's not the only thing. It's it's quite a bit. You know, my parents are still here. Yeah. That's more part of the culture, although I think more of my generation, I see like my cousins and stuff moving out of town. But usually you grow up there and you grow up, you die there pretty much. Yep. Uh, and that's kind of the way my parents still are. But now they're just, you know, here in Memphis. Uh, but then outside of that, it's just all the like really close friendships I've built over here. Yeah. Connections. That's the hard part to give up. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it'd be a good test to... Yeah, try to make new friendships or 
I don't know, because cause that, you know, that's the thing. Like, I feel like if I don't make moves like these, I'm going to be held back uh, in being able to pursue what I want to do with my photography and video. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I want to be You can there. only take pictures of Memphis so much. Memphis doesn't have a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, like, drive out and you travel. That's, that's where I get a lot of, like, my big pictures. Um, so I think... You know, it's either regretting that I never do it or risk it, you know, suffer yeah. for a little bit and mm-hmm. maybe see that big change I want to see. Yeah. We even I think that even if you end up hating it, you still have to do it. Yeah. It's yeah. still a great experience. Like, you know, probably might not be positive, but it's still a good experience. It teaches. It builds you a lot more. You know, I'll probably mm-hmm. come back more. I don't want to say just independent, but have a lot more self-reliant skills, which, I mean, I learned a lot while I was on the road trip. I didn't think I was going to have to take out part of my, you know, top of the engine to replace stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I just, there's no other options. I have to do it. Yeah. So. Getting out on your own and, and like, can you imagine, like, going to a new place knowing no one having no support system whatsoever yeah to live there now in i think that's probably the closest i got to just that road trip mm-hmm. i still had the support of like yeah you know like speaking up you know people that helped me out it's like i called rob he's like dude i'll help you out if i need to drive out there and get you like i can um but, you know, I called him and he helped me, like, just kind of determine what the issue might be in the truck and told me, you could totally do this. Just, you know, to the auto parts store and ask them to let you borrow some tools and watch this video and you got this. Like, you're technical enough to handle it. Uh, but for the most part, it was, you know, especially because a lot of those places I lost cell signals. So I just, I think you do learn to live with a little bit of, a little bit on the edge, especially when you know something might kind of be up. It could have like stopped the road trip. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think I'm a little familiar with that feeling. It's not not the most enjoyable, but I mean, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is Kendall, and this is Jose. Bye.